Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by the one, the only, the illustrious Mike Estefan. And thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance, my personal disability and life insurance agent. We will talk more about them later in this episode. Let's get into it. Today is round number 19 of the game, and Mike is going to need to perform today's case in real ABEM oral boards format. He has a strict 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. And if he hits all the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. And if he doesn't, or if he does something dangerous, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not derived from actual ABEM cases that I had. They're not real patients. Mike, you ready to go? I am as ready as I'll ever be, Zach. Let's do it. All right. Take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you're ready. I am one step ahead of you and am already. Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. You will have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? No questions. All right, let's begin. Dr. Estefan, you are working at Clerkship General when you are called to the resuscitation bay for a new EMS patient. All right, Um, I walk in the room, what do I see? Um, you see an elderly female, and she looks kind of sleepy. Okay. Um, can I get an initial set of vital signs? Sure. Her heart rate is 43. Her respiratory rate is 18. Her blood pressure is 60 over 40. Her O2 saturation is 98%. And can I get a temperature? Her temperature is 98.0. All right. Um, let's get her on the monitor. Um, and we can place two large bore IVs as well. Um, what do we know? Do we know anything about her? How did she get here? Um, family called EMS. It was a well person checked. EMS is at bedside. They go, you know, doc, I think patient has dementia. She lived alone. Um, she was just on the ground confused. Okay. Do we have any medical history on her in the chart? Um, yeah. If you look at her chart, she has a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, and atrial fibrillation. Okay, what meds does she take? She is on a Tenolol, a Torvastatin, and Rivaroxaban. And does she have any allergies documented? Uh, she has no documented allergies. Okay. Um, let's, let's see. That blood pressure is terrible. Um, let me try to talk to her real quick. Um, does, is she alert and oriented at all? Um, her eyes are open, and she goes, hey. <laughs> okay. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm one of the doctors taking care of you. Do you know where you are right now? Hi, no. Okay. All right. Um, I'm just going to do a very brief physical exam. While I am doing a physical exam, can we check an AccuCheck as well as a stat EKG and chest x-ray? All right. Um, Portable chest x-ray there. Already called the bedside. Uh, Normal chest x-ray. EKG's coming. Her finger stick blood glucose is 100. Perfect. Okay. Um, I'm just going to examine her very quickly. General appearance. How does she look? She just looks a little sleepy. Okay. Um, I completely undress her. Any signs of trauma anywhere? No. Okay. Nothing? No signs of head trauma anywhere? No. All right. Um, Does she have any... I listen to her lungs. What do I hear? They're clear to auscultation. Okay. Um, does she have symmetric pulses? Yes. Okay. Um, 
let's see any you said no bruises no signs of trauma right there are no bruises there are no signs of trauma the patient is atraumatic in appearance great um and no midline c-spine or any spine tenderness there's no spinal tenderness all right and it looks like the ekg just came through let me try to pull that up so honestly to me it looks like a sinus bradycardia i see p waves the p waves don't march out she has a normal pr interval i see some non-specific stt changes other than that it looks like she's got some q waves inferiorly but those are present on an old ekg perfect so let's draw some labs from her um We'll get a CBC, BMP. Um, let's get a lactate and blood cultures as well. We can get a TSH um, with a T4. Um, let's see, bradycardia. What did I say? C CBC, BMP, lactate, blood cultures. She's not on digoxin, so we don't need a dig level. I think that is where I would start. So you you want a CBC, a BMP, a lactic acid, blood cultures, and a TSH. I didn't hear anything else. Well, let's get a urine. We got a chest x-ray. I think that is all I want right now. Um, can we give her a liter bolus and repeat her vitals? So you give the patient a one liter bolus. Her heart rate is 41. Her respiratory rate is 18. Her blood pressure is 58 over 38. Her O2 saturation is 98%. Okay. EMS um, is still at bedside, and they go, Doc, do you have any other questions for us, or can we go? Oh, whoops. Um, did you find any, did you happen to find her medication bottle, her Atenolol bottle at home? Yeah, it was empty. It was empty? Do you know when it was last filled? It was filled three days ago. It was filled three days ago. Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. I think that's all. Okay. So this sounds like a possible beta blocker overdose. Um, so... We can go ahead. I mean, the textbook would say we should try some glucagon. So let's try some glucagon. Let me call pharmacy up. All right. Hey, this is pharmacy. Hey, I have a suspected uh, beta blocker overdose. It sounds like a tenolol. Patient uh, is hypotensive and bradycardic with what looks like to be a sinus bradycardia here. I want to try to treat her with glucagon. Um, what would you recommend dosing-wise? Five milligrams. Five milligrams. Sounds good. All right. We can give five milligrams of IV glucagon. Given. All right. And I'm also going to call poison control. Poison control is it's a crazy, crazy, crazy night. Uh, they're busy. Okay. Sounds good. Check that one off the list, at least. They'll call you back in uh, maybe, you know, 10 minutes. Okay, let's do uh, another repeat set of vitals after the glucagon. All right, uh, heart rate is 42, respiratory rate is 18, blood pressure is 59 over 38, O2 saturation 98%. Lovely. Let's try, I mean, we should just try some atropine to see if that's going to work. Um, let's give 0.5 of atropine. 0.5 of atropine is given. Okay, and repeat vitals. Heart rate, 43, respiratory rate, 18, blood pressure, 60 over 40, O2 saturation, 98%. This is still an unstable bradycardia, technically. Um, okay, so let's get the pads on her. Um, 
And is she still mentating at the same level as previously? Yeah, she goes, hi, doctor. Okay. I feel confused still. Okay. I don't think I'm perfusing my brain well. <laughs> let's uh, let's lay her flat um, on the bed and put the pads on her. Wee Flat. Okay. Pads on. All right. Um, oh, man. I... I've never actually paced somebody in real life, but um, let's try transcutaneous pacing. And um, describe the procedure. All right. So we'll put um, we'll put two of the defibrillator pads on the patient, one anterior, one posterior, um, and we will turn the knob to the pacer setting. Um, we can set it at a rate of 60 uh actually a rate of 70 and um we can slowly increase the uh i don't know what it's called the sensitivity the capture um until we get the sensitivity until we get capture okay the patient goes ow 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 and the um the amps is up to 80 you're still not getting capture though okay it's at 80 um Oh. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I know I need to give her something. Um, let's, oh, let's give her oh, oh. let's give her point one milligram per kilogram of automate. You give it her automate? Uh, yeah, I think so. We can we can like uh, that's not gonna mess with her. Let's give her ketamine. Let's give her ketamine. Um, we can give How much one milligram per kilogram IV ketamine. Uh, the patient receives one mig for a ke- per keg IV ketamine. <laughs> Just going, <"Wee!" laughs> All right. Um, and we cut, we I don't it. feel anything. Oh, my God, it's the demons. Okay. <laughs> Her eyes are rolling in circles. Great. Okay. No more, no more pain. Okay. So we, we, uh, we turn it all the way up. Are we getting capture? No. Okay. Um, let's set up to do a transvenous pacer. <laughs> Okay, describe the procedure. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Alright, um... <laughs> are you trying to make me use high-dose insulin? <laughs> uh, Just gotta help right. the patient. Oh, so, wait, wait, wait. So she got All a your bolus. labs are back, by the way. Your CBC is normal. Your BMP is normal. Your lactic acid is 3.5. Blood cultures won't be back for a couple days. Your TSH is normal. Urine is normal. <laughs> All right. So this is a beta blocker overdose. We've given her glucagon and atropine, and we have failed transcutaneous pacing. Um, I mean, I know another option would be like a dopamine drip or giving isoproterenol maybe. Um, but the one time I've seen this, I've helped put in a transvenous spacer. <laughs> uh, can we, can we send off a dig level just in case, just for fun? Dig level's normal. All right. All right. Let's, let's just do the transvenous pacer. All right. So we start right, with the a- pacers in. Can't get capture. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's that's not helping. So we have an unstable bradycardia that I can't pace. Um, I think we can start a dopamine drip. Do we want to do dopamine or epi? We can do epi. Let's do epi. 
Pharmacy starting an epi drip. Great. Um, repeat vitals after epi drip. <laughs> um, vital signs: heart rate thirty-eight, respiratory rate eighteen, blood pressure fifty-one over twenty. Uh, manual O2 saturation ninety-eight percent. Oh my god! What am I doing? All right. <laughs> Call pharmacy. <laughs> pharmacy won't pick up. Oh no! All right, so I'm clearly I'm going the wrong way with this case. Hey. Um. All right. Well, I'm not going to start high dose insulin without th- pharmacy. We've tried an epidrip. Let's try. Do I have to give her more glucagon to like reverse the beta agonist or the beta blocker? Pharmacy calls back. What do you need? <laughs> Um, is there any utilization in repeat glucagon dosing for beta blocker overdose? Um, no. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on starting uh, high dose insulin therapy here? Where would I begin with that? Above my pay grade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not the answer. All right. Uh, I don't know what to That ends your case. <laughs> That was terrible. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> okay. All right. Before we get into how you did, Mike, let's talk about our sponsor for the month. This episode was sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. Let's talk about life insurance again this month. You want to know, this is a true story. You want to know why I really trust Stephanie Pearson? So I have a pretty decent financial IQ. And when I set up my appointment to talk with her about getting a life insurance policy when COVID was getting started, I knew already up front that I specifically wanted a term life policy. There's lots of policy types that agents push that are not term life. And I'm not going to name names, but generally speaking, these other types of policies are garbage. And I knew this up front and I wanted to see if Stephanie would try to sell me one and I didn't tell her. So when I talked to her on the phone, one of the very, she literally, before I even started, she said, the first thing that I want to tell you, just for clarification, I only sell term life policies. I don't sell any of that other garbage. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I trust this agent so much. Um, and she walked me through the rest of the, the purchase pro- process. Now I have my life insurance set up. You need a life and disability agent that you can trust, like I trust Stephanie Pearson at Pearson Ravitz. Go to www.pearsonravitz.com and set up your appointment to choose your policy. There's no obligation to buy. Just get the process started and get all of your information. Thank you to Pearson Ravitz for sponsoring this episode. Now back to our case. Mike, how do you think you did? (laughs) Pretty bad. So um, that case, I feel like, did not go great. Um, you were, you, you, what do you, what was the diagnosis? Sounds like beta blocker overdose. Beta blocker overdose. Okay. I would say that is correct. And on test day, when they give you something like, oh, there's an empty bottle of atenolol, you're dealing with an empty bottle of atenolol, right? I mean, they're not going to be, it's not going to be that and like myxedema. Yeah. What is the differential for these kind of low and slow people? Um... So I think of ischemia affecting the AV node. I think of ingestion. I think of uh, intrinsic arrhythmias, so like third-degree heart block. Um, I think of myxedema coma. I think of um, hypothyroidism could, well, yeah, myxedema. Um, And then Lyme disease can cause heart block. 
I don't. I'm probably missing a couple things. Um, a, well, one big one you're missing probably on the kind of the the bradycardic patient who's ill. You said ischemia, tox, thyroid, um, so like hyper K. Um, would be oh, like a big right. one, like hyperkalemia. Right, right. You tested right. for that. I will say that you missed, you didn't get a troponin. Be careful that your, you know, ischemia was on your differential. I know the EKG looked okay, but there were some T wave inversions on it. You didn't grab a trope. You're totally um, right. So just be careful there. Okay. So all of that would have come back normal. And now you're dealing with a beta blocker overdose, which is the, the whole, the whole fun of this case. Um, so what is the treatment of beta blocker overdose? Walk me through it. <laughs> I was under the impression it was glucagon to start. Yep, glucagon is the classic test answer. And, um, and so for everyone that's listening, glucagon would be considered the, quote, antidote for beta blocker overdose. Good. Um, I'll say it's overrated. It's probably, it's not top. You know, you can try it. Um, there's some good theory behind it, but I don't think there's studies showing that it works well. Um, but it is something that you do, so you're appropriate to give the glucagon. That was appropriate. What else? And, and then um, the other things I considered were high-dose insulin therapy, um, which is kind of a little bit outside of a wheelhouse without tox being involved. But I've seen it done before, and it was very cool. Um these people get put on like a dextrose drip and get like hundreds of units of insulin an hour. It's pretty impressive. As far as for beta blocker overdose, like in general, I'm not really sure. Like unstable bradycardia, obviously like transcutaneous transvenous pacing, like beta agonist um, infusions, etc. Atropine. Okay. And think, yeah. And again, you got a lot of the basic stuff too. So atropine, you gave that, that was appropriate. Epinephrine, you started that, that was appropriate. Um, you, calcium, sometimes people say that calcium might help. You can try it. Although that's classically more for like calcium channel blocker overdose. Mm -hmm. um, so why didn't you do the high dose insulin? Because I'll tell you right now, I had it set up that you start the high-dose insulin and the patient makes a miraculous recovery. You just had to... I just had to pull the trigger. Oh. I just had to pull the trigger. That was it. <laughs> I literally wrote it in. I was like, patient finishes the cocktail and the patient is saved. And everyone cheers. Uh. I wrote, you know, that was it. So why didn't you go down the high-dose insulin therapy? And maybe it was me. I mean, what do you think? Uh, because I didn't know dosing. You just don't think it's an ED thing or you didn't really know how or I didn't know dosing, which is why I called pharmacy. And when they said it was above their pay grade, I wasn't about to. I see. Well, and the giving. pharmacy could have maybe helped you with dosing. I probably didn't say that quite fairly. You know, I was more like because you I think I guess I'll have to listen back. But my understanding of the way you phrase it was like, should I do like high dose insulin therapy? It was like a question, you know, and um, you can ask pharmacy on dosing, but it has to be. I'm starting high dose insulin therapy. What what do I start? <laughs> oh, okay. you know, because you can always ask for dose. So there's probably a little confusion there. Yeah. Um. So that was part of it when when you talked. I, I could okay. Yeah, and that might be part on me too. Um, you're still. I feel like a little gun shy to start it. Yeah. I. I mean, the only time I've ever seen it done was when I was a med student, and um, it was 100. percent like initiated and managed by tox like the ed did not i don't know i could have been like totally naive as a medical student but um 
I don't know if I would feel comfortable initiating it without at least knowing kind of doses. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but, you know, this is for your test and uh, high dose insulin therapy is something that you need to know because the truth is, is high dose insulin therapy is kind of the treatment for these like these low and slow overdoses much more. This is like a miracle. Like my understanding of this. So I haven't had to, so I've gotten down the farthest I've gotten down is right before high dose insulin. I had done atropine. I had done calcium. I had done glucagon. I started an epi drip, um, and they stabilized out. And so I I didn't end up needing to start the high dose insulin. I was one step away from it. And so, you know, I was, and I had obviously been able to talk to poison control about how that would be going. But the truth is this is actually well within the scope of, of emergency medicine. Um, High dose insulin is something that we need to know how to do, I think. And it's it's definitely so why why do you get nervous about starting high dose insulin? Why not just um, you know, Google it? Well, I mean, you're you're right. It's one hundred percent just dose related, uh because, you know, you're giving the doses are just ridiculously high. You're giving like hundreds of units of insulin. And it would just it's more so just making sure I'm giving as much insulin as needed, as well as adequate sugar at the same time to make sure I don't like yeah. cause the patient to go into a hypoglycemic coma. Now, again, I have not had the case where I had to get to high dose insulin. I got, um, I, I stabilized them with the presser and then we were kind of done. And I don't know whether they went high dose insulin upstairs or not, but what I was trying to do in this case was like, the vitals aren't improving. You know what you have to do. You even send the back of your head. Like I have to start high dose insulin. Maybe there was some confusion there. You know, maybe that was partially on me, but I agree with how you felt. And especially if I had been asked this as a resident, I think I'd be extremely nervous about high dose insulin because for everyone that's listening, the doses of high dose insulin that act as the antidote for these low and slow overdoses are massive. So, like when you have a patient that's in DKA and you start them on an insulin drip, it's like 0.1 megs per kg per hour, you know, like that type of thing. It's extremely – You're with this, you start off at a unit per kilogram bolus. So you're giving someone 80 units of insulin, bam, and then you start them on a unit per kilogram per hour and you can go up like 10 times from there. You, you increase it from there. And so it is a ton of insulin. Now, when I studied this, Mike, I learned a couple of things that made me a little bit less nervous about this. And again, I don't think that you'd be initiating this in the real world without poison control or ICU or someone kind of being like, yeah, we need to go there. Um, just cause you're going to need buy-in from your team. Like, prepare to have about a hundred clarifications from nurses when you're starting to be like started, you know, these massive insulin, cause it's crazy insulin yeah. doses, yeah. but a couple of things happen. So one, and I didn't know this, but according to the, so one of my sources that I first listened to probably the best um, podcast episode I've ever heard on this prior to today and you know, our mid month episode, no, but it was, um, if you listen to EM cases, they have a low and slow overdose. I think it was episode 90. So it was a couple, it was years ago, but they had some toxicologists coming on talking about this from Canada. Um, one thing that happens is you kind of saturate the insulin receptors. So it's not like it just keeps going up linearly with the amount of insulin that you give at some point it peaks out and you only get so much hypoglycemia with it. But essentially what you do, you give them this huge insulin bolus, you give them a couple amps of D50 and you start them just on a, a ton of sugar. You put them on like, you know, D25, you know, D10, D25, something like that. And you're just running this sugar and you just check sugars every 15 minutes and you just keep their, their glucose 
high enough. <laughs> but it's from what I might, and again, I have to clarify this by saying I haven't had to do this before. My understanding is, is once you kind of figure out the right speed of the glucose drip, you do a couple amps of D50, pretty rapidly things kind of stabilize out from a sugar perspective and you just ramp up that insulin. Um, and it's, it's not as scary as it sounds like it would be because you saturate insulin receptors. Um, so that, that was one thing sense. I didn't know that that's one thing I didn't know that makes me feel a little bit better. And again, poison control, if you ever have to do this, they're going to send you a specific algorithm. Usually they'd be like this, just give a cup. But the general idea is you start that you give a huge bolus of insulin, like a unit per kilogram. Then you're starting like a unit per kilogram per hour. And you give them a couple amps of D50 up front. You're checking sugars every 15 minutes and you're running a glucose drip of like, you know. D25, D10, half an S, you know, and you're just freaking pouring that in and trying to keep that glucose up. And you're going to stay on top of it by checking sugars constantly. I mean, this is real critical care. Like you're going to have a one-to-one nurse in this scenario. Um, but it's, it's life-saving. Like it's absolutely life-saving. What are some other things? You didn't mention this. So that's high-dose insulin therapy. That's actually probably the true, you know, quote-unquote antidote. It's just <clears> – <throat> risky, right? But if you really have someone that's you're losing on a on a beta blocker on a calcium channel blocker, high dose insulin is something that you strongly need to consider doing. Um and I, I guess I would have helped you out a little bit more, Mike, but I feel like you're just a little gun shy and I wanted to feel like you were like, no, we're doing this. Like let's do some <laughs> high dose insulin. No, you're and right. You were you're a little shy to do that. I was um what are some other things just in the general toxicology things that you can do with these people who have clearly overdosed that you at least need to consider. Like there's probably one other big thing up front. Um, I don't know. Um, so like activated charcoal, so like decontamination stuff. Uh, so like, um, and this is just toxicology in general, but the decontamination strategies are things like whole bowel irrigation, activated charcoal. Um, what would be like another one? Um, where you stick the tube down and you suck out the pills. You don't really see that anymore. And it's something to at least consider whether or not it's appropriate. Like activated charcoal really can save a life if you get it in early enough. Um, There's some downsides to it, but it's not completely out of favor. You know, whole bowel has specific indications for it. Um, Dialysis, actually atenolol is one of the drugs that you can dialyze. Um, what that would be. Yeah, that would be, I, I believe it's one of the ones I think it's like a tenolol. I think soda law you can, um, but that's something that poison control would probably tell you to do. You know, that, that's, that is not like core knowledge. I think that that's the type of thing you need. You don't need to have a memorized list of which drugs are all dialyzable. Yeah. Um, unless it's like a classic one, like salicylate or something. Um, but that's kind of the classic, uh, treatment algorithm for this. Trying to think if there's anything else. We talked about the differential, um, which you covered. We talked about some of these uh, therapies. Oh, we should talk about pacing. Um, so you said you had a beta blocker overdose before. You did a TV pacer on it. Yeah, it was a um, hypothetically, it was a mixed overdose. The patient was taking a calcium channel blocker, a beta blocker, and Dig, and she took extra pills of everything and came in. With a heart rate of 20, junctional bradycardia. Um, did the pacer capture? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And again, I haven't, so I haven't floated a pacer. What I've heard is if you can't get captured transcutaneously, you probably won't get it transvenously. Um, again, I, I, you know, I speak from limited experience with these. Although these, the, I have seen these overdoses. It's just mine haven't gotten that bad. Um, but... 
before you float a pacer, I mean, I would be starting basic things like an epi drip and, you know, at least verbalizing high dose insulin and, and that kind of thing. I, w- I had nowhere in this case that you had to like float a pacer, which is why I didn't make you do it. Although I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're so excited to articulate how to do that procedure. We'll have to work <laughs> that into a, a case soon. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're just like all over it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, that's the general idea. I think part of this case, I mean, part of it's my fault. I think that there's maybe some confusion based off of like pharmacy and tox not helping you. But on when you hear that kind of thing on test day, it's the the test. It's the um, the testing. The person who's testing you, they're prompting you to like proceed forward, make decisions. Like we're not going to make decisions for you. Do what needs to be done, um, and that's kind of what they're prompting you to do. So like, because a lot of times, because I don't want you to get so used to just falling back on pharmacy for every dose and things like that. Because yeah. it's you may get a tester that just says mm, pharmacy's busy. Sorry, you know, just to see if you can pull out some basic doses. Now you threw out the basic dosing of like the atropine. Um, you know, you probably need to know like where to start an epi drip at, things like that. Yeah, if it's like hyper K, probably you know, the dosing of some calcium and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you just don't want to rely too much on just every time I have a question. Sometimes if, if they say, ooh, they're busy, ooh, they're busy, the consult, like you have a patient, let's say that's in, you know, cardiogenic shock, or let's say it's it's a patient that has, that does need a transvenous pacemaker. You know, they had a big MI, inferior MI, now they're at 30 and, you know, they're hypotensive and the right answer is a TV pacer. And you're like, can I call cardiology, you know, to see if they want to do a pacer? And they say, sorry, cardiology is busy. What they want you to do is, all right, let's set up to do a TV pacer and um, just to kind of proceed forward. Got it. And so pay attention to that kind of thing. Uh, you actually, I mean, you actually hit most of the critical actions because you hit, you did the atropine, you did the glucagon, you started the epi drip, you tried pacing. It's not wrong to try pacing. It wasn't one of the critical actions. Again, my understanding is it does it frequently doesn't work. Um, you could have tried calcium, although that's again that's more classically I feel like calcium channel blocker. But you will like I do know that my poison control has calcium in the algorithm. I do know that uh, you know in hypothetical cases that I've seen that I've given calcium for this, you know, and it was and it's mixed and things like that. But that's part of the problems. You don't necessarily know what exactly that they're on. Um, you know, I don't think you're expected to know off the top of your head that like a tenolol needs dialysis for like a oral boards. But if you're doing like a sim, like a sim wars or something like that, a tenolol will win you the sim wars type of a deal, you know, being like, all right, let's call nephrology for dialysis. And then everyone goes like, Oh, <gasps> you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Legend. Um, so, uh, I think that you probably, well, I think you would have failed the case. I think part of it's my fault and maybe there's a little confusion there on, whether that I was talking you out of the high dose insulin, but I'd say just proceed boldly. Um, part of the problem is you just didn't get to the end of kind of the algorithm. Um, yeah, and keep in fair. mind too, talks. So there's a couple of things that you're going to have a lot of oral boards cases on that may like, you're going to have a lot of talks, a lot of peds like those. You're almost guaranteed like a tox case, a peds case is my understanding. Like it's just good case fodder. It could be, acetaminophen or salicylate or beta blocker but this is you know this is a fun nice classic case here so i thought you did good i thought um you know i you missed the trope you're a little gun shy on the high dose insulin um i would say just kind of just proceed forward boldly 
you know, be the, be the bold Mike that did the lateral canthotomy on the glaucoma. Like that was the right, like that was the right attitude. You just made the wrong decision, but that's the kind of thing where you just need to have the confidence. Like we're going to do this and this and this now. Um, yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah. That ends the, that ends the case. I don't know. What are do you have any final thoughts? Part of this is probably my fault. I feel a little bad, but I was, I was pushing you a little bit. No, no. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think I was gun shy. And then I think when I asked pharmacy, um, I didn't word it in the most appropriate way. Um, in my mind, I was kind of getting at doses, but that's not what I said. That's not what came out. So I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I, again, that I heard it as more of a, you know, Hey pharmacy, what do you think about like high dose insulin? And like, you know, I'm just gotta be like, I don't know, doc, like that's kind of on you. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know? you're totally I right. I can't just totally right now. If you say I need to do high dose insulin therapy, do you know where to start it? You know, I think that that's a very reasonable type question to ask a pharmacist. Um, but it, I'm, I'm telling you, in the real world, when you're about to give freaking a, a bolus of 100 units of insulin and you're going to do this, like you can't be you can't be scared because your team's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be doing that, you need to be like, this needs to be done. It's going to be OK. Like we're, we're going to do this. This is what needs to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I called poison control and they gave me the, you know, the stamp of approval. They agree. Let's go. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Confidence, especially when you are the one leading kind of the pack into the unknown is essential. Yeah. Cause I, I promise you, if you have to do high dose insulin in the ED, you're about to get, cause nurses are extremely like they are, they are judged extremely closely on like the safety for them. It's a lot of insulin dosing stuff. That's why you have like the no interruption zones and things like that. It's, I feel like one of the big reasons for when they dose insulin. And so they, this is like a common thing for them are these insulin dosing errors in their training. And you're about to be like, Oh, we're going to give more insulin than you've ever given in your life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, Oh yeah. And we're not just going to give more insulin but then we need to get the drip going right away too we might have to you know increase it nine or ten times <laughs> we, may have to, we have to, may have to double it three or four times so we'll see um but again and for the audio there's a really good episode out there and i would encourage you to listen to this one too mike because it's it was a really good episode and it was it was episode, i believe it was episode 90 we can maybe put this in the show notes episode 90 of em cases on low and slow poisoning and they just it's this like toxicologist and then i think it was like a resident or a tox fellow or something i don't know who she was but she was a freaking genius so i was just like oh this is awesome um, um, but anyways, that, that wraps up the case. Uh, that's a really hard case. That's a, that's a tough one. That's yeah. a, that's a tough case, but, um, it's one you got to know. And again, talks, you're going to see it on test day. Uh, let's see anything else, Mike, how's residency going? Uh, residency is going great. Um, I'm about to start in the PICU in a couple days, um, which I'm, Kind of dreading, but it's okay. We all do it. Um, and then I will be back in the ED for months, and I cannot wait for that. Nice. Well, it'll be a good time to start working yeah. in some of the PEDS cases, too. Because we've done all adults so far, and you will have kids on yeah. the oral boards. Like, there's a good chunk of PEDS. Stuff. Oh, for so sure. Pick you's a, a good rotation to study for the oral boards. Um, that's because there's a lot of there's a lot of PEDS stuff that can happen. Yeah. So, all right. Wonderful. Um, well, everybody, uh, send us emails, Zach, Z-A-C-K, com, Mike, M-I-K-E, com. Again, our sponsor, we're super grateful for our sponsor, uh, www.pearsonrabbits.com if you want to touch base with them. 
We'll have another mid mid month episode. Oh, by the way, Mike, great you did great with the sepsis episode. Oh, um, really, really strong work. It's good to it's good to have you in action because you haven't done a solo since for a couple of years now. Yeah, it's been so a while. It's Thanks, good man. Good to have you back. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was really good. So um, until until a couple weeks from now, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.